People Talking People is a part of the Wander Barn Podcast Network. You can check out our podcast, People Talking People, along with other great podcasts in the network by going to wanderbarn.com. All right. Well, I'm pretty excited to be talking to you today, although it will be just me. So one of those solo episodes, I will be talking about vulnerability in leadership, an interesting topic that has been coming up more and more with those that I speak to, but something that uh, a lot of people get kind of nervous or anxious about when we start to talk about this concept of vulnerability. Now, I'm talking about it in the sense of leadership, but like I always caveat for you guys, this doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a leader or a manager, right? This could even be in a home setting, in a friend and family setting, and really you can take all of these sort of thoughts and ideas and translate them to anywhere. So you can be thinking about what does it mean to be vulnerable just in my daily life? You know, how can I show up with this vulnerability across the board and all things that I do? So first thing, when we talk about vulnerability, it definitely is a word that sort of conjures up almost like negative feelings for a lot of people. Um, it's associated with being weak or, you know, something along those lines. But the idea when we talk about vulnerability in the way that we show up, when we talk about vulnerability in the way that we act, it's really just more this concept of being sort of open, honest, and just knowing that if we can be, we'll just say a little bit weak, if we can crack, put a little crack in ourselves and let people in, yeah, there's no protection, there's no wall, there's nothing there from that sort of true definition standpoint. But when we let people in, it really allows a deeper connection and allows us to move forward in sort of a new and unexpected way, potentially, especially from that sort of leadership and managerial standpoint. So across the board, vulnerability is extremely important, you know, with teams when it comes to communication primarily. We talk about, you know, I've talked about this a lot of times before, but this idea of building trust with your people and why trust is so important. And, you know, I don't think anyone would sit here and say, you know, trust is not important. Of course, everyone would get that. Like, of course, right. We need trust with our teams, but do you really understand why you need trust? And do you really have a good clear picture of the value that trust will bring? So trust really can translate itself into many different areas when it comes to the relationship with an employee and a manager. Of course, it just comes in the form of employee loyalty, first and foremost. From a company standpoint, employee loyalty is huge. Not only, you know, does it have allow for high morale, increased engagement, and all of those sort of healthy things, but employee loyalty means we don't have turnover. And when we don't have turnover, we don't have to be recruiting. And we aren't recruiting, we're not having to hire, we're not having to onboard, we're not having to consume managers and maybe even other people's time, HR representatives, um, team leads, etc., whatever, you know, with conducting interviews and kind of wasting time reading resumes and all this stuff. So this idea of employee loyalty really translates into a high cost savings across the board for a company. So think about it like from even a small business standpoint. If you owned a little company and you were having to spend all of your time recruiting and hiring, how are you going to be able to spend time getting the actual work done? Especially if you really are a like five, five person team, you know, if it's truly a small team and then from a large perspective, you just 10 exit, you 20 exit, you 100 exit all of that time. That's just consumed with 
you know, improving retention and reducing turnover. So anything that we can do to really kind of increase that employee loyalty and build that trust will help us to start to save money from that cost perspective, which is huge. And it's something that we don't often think about when we're talking about things like vulnerability and trust. We forget that it really does have a cost, potential like cost impact across the board. Now, all of that matters only if you really care, right? So either you are, are in that small business where you own it and that's important, or you're in a role at a company where you see that value and you should care. Now, in theory, all of us should care whether our companies are spending or saving money because anytime they're saving money, they're potentially passing it on to us in the form of personal development funds or bonuses and incentives, higher pay raises, right? So a lot of people say, I can go, I don't care if my company, you know, saves money or not. Well, you should care. You really should because it translates into so many other things that could have a direct impact to you. So going back to this kind of concept of trust though, too, when we talk about trust, it is so important from that sort of psychological safety standpoint to have a trusting team. And and this goes beyond just the word trust, right? It has to do with culture across the board. You know, if you don't have a culture with your team where they feel like they can trust you, they can um, raise their hand with objection and safely say, you know, I don't agree with what everyone else is talking about here. I have a different thought. What if we tried this idea, you know, that ability to kind of just simply raise their hand and bring something up. If that trust is not there, I mean, even just from those three examples I gave, you can probably immediately see the impact that this has. It stifles creativity because people are not comfortable raising their hands. So if we don't have that vulnerability that allows us to create that trust, that allows that psychological safety we're going to have teams that are just going to be sitting in a room, nodding their head going, uh-huh. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Whatever you want. Sure. Yeah. Whatever you want. And as a leader that not only does that not feel good, but it's truly just not what we want. You know, as managers, not only do we want our people to feel that sense of creativity and that comfort to be able to raise their hand, but it's really just not going to produce good quality results for our team. If only one person is coming up with the ideas all the time versus utilizing you know, the 10 people on your team to come up with a more creative idea, we're never going to have that growth that we need. Creativity directly leads to growth and innovation. And if you're any sort of company that's trying to grow beyond where you are, you're not going to be able to do that without that innovation, without that creativity, without that trust, without that culture, without that vulnerability. So kind of working backwards back into that vulnerability standpoint. So it's extremely important from that leadership standpoint, again, when we talk about trust, you know, there's multiple things that really come up. So I mentioned psychological safety. The other thing is sort of like this concept of building the trust bank. And I've talked about this before when I've talked about delegation, but really when we think about building that trust bank, we need to have adequate trust with our team so that we can keep putting coins in the trust bank. And the more coins that we can put in the trust bank, the easier it will be for us to take a withdrawal from the trust bank when we really need to. And withdrawals come at times that are tough. Withdrawals come when we have to give our employees really hard feedback and we have to let them know that maybe something that they did didn't work out so great. Maybe it even comes at a time where we have to give them a project that frankly, we know they're not going to be pretty excited to work on, but we just really need them to do it or someone in general to do it. But if we don't have any coins or, you know, any built up um, equity in that trust bank that we can pull from, we're just not going to be able to 
frankly, do some of those tough things that we need to do, or at least not to have them be done effectively. Can we still give feedback? Yes, of course. Should we? Yes, of course. But if we don't have that trust bank built up, it's going to be a lot harder for them to receive that feedback, which can in turn lead to challenges within your relationship, um, discomfort, you know, these types of things. So if we want to make our job sort of more comfortable and those relationships that we have with our employees stronger versus the opposite, it's great to have some trust in that trust bank. And all to say this, that connected back to vulnerability again, you know, that ability to sit into a meeting, just think of a staff meeting, for example, sit in, sit in a staff meeting and just really open up and say, look, guys, you know, and gals, I know times are tough right now. Things are hard, you know, whatever the case may be, right? But be a little bit vulnerable. Um, I am struggling too. It's hard for me also to be working remotely all the time. I'm having a hard time with my boundaries and separating family and work life, you know, just sort of opening up just that little bit and being vulnerable in a way that hopefully feels comfortable to be, you know, I'm not saying put it all out on the table here and, and give them your deepest, darkest secrets. Just let them know that you empathize, right? If you're struggling with what does vulnerability look like, just think about it from an empathy standpoint. How can I be a little bit more empathetic? How can I let them know that frankly, I'm feeling some of the same things as them. That's probably the easiest way to add some vulnerability into the conversation is to pull on that empathy component and just empathize a little bit and just let them know, you know, I'm here with you. I'm alongside you. I'm in the same, same size boat. My oars are just a little bit different. The waves are just a little bit bigger or smaller for me. You know, everyone is kind of experiencing some of the same things maybe just in a little bit of a different way and just be willing to kind of share some of that and open up the dialogue, not only for yourself, but allowing them again to feel comfortable to open up that dialogue as well. So that vulnerability really can be most easily tapped into when we think about it from that empathy standpoint. Some other ways to think about vulnerability might not necessarily be connected to empathy, but think about it from the concept of your manager, CEO, you know, whatever, higher level flows information down to you. Some of it is maybe information that you just know you can't share with your team. It, maybe it's confidential, there's whatever, there's some specific reason you just cannot flow that information down. And that's going to happen, right? There's always going to be that type of information that you just can't flow down. But it doesn't mean you can't sort of paint a picture and let them know what is going on and be as honest as possible. Um, and it might even make sense to say, hey, I got some information that unfortunately I'm not able to share due to confidentiality reasons, but I want to let you know that there's a chance it could have an impact on our team. Here's what some of the things that we can do to prepare for when this information comes forward, right? So again, you're going to have to to sort of gauge what makes sense for your team, your people, how they like to receive information, the type of information they like to receive, the culture and the dynamics that you have. But the vulnerability could kind of come from that standpoint too, um, that you're saying like, hey, I can't give you this information. However, you know, dot, 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 here's something that we can do with that little bit of information that we have. You know, I talk a lot about employee engagement um, and really that concept of increasing or heightening employee engagement and how the value that it brings, um, you know, when we have teams that are engaged, we have teams that are, you know, higher producers, you know, they're going to get more done. I mean, think about it. Think, just put yourself in those shoes. Anytime where you've been fe feeling like you had a sense of ownership or you were really sort of excited and into what's going on, you've produced more, you know, you've produced more, you've produced quicker, or you've even just produced better quality. You have more clarity and vision around 
what it is that you should be working on and just start in general or feeling a lot more committed and happier. You know, there's that sense of joy, that sense of happiness that comes across the board. Just in general, um, any of those times you have that sort of high engagement environment, those employees, they will just naturally outperform those that are lower engaged. Um, and even here's another like good example you can think about from yourself. Maybe it doesn't relate to the word engagement, but let's say you have a day where you come to work and you know, you're tired, you're lethargic, um, you have high stress, uh, there's too much on your plate, you're overwhelmed and you're burned out. Maybe this isn't necessarily an indication of a low engagement with your, your team, your company, because maybe you really do love what you do. You're just in one of those moments where the work is a little bit higher and you're in that sort of overworked burnout sort of phase. You're kind of stuck in that little bit of burnout for just a moment. You know you'll get out of it, but you're there for a moment. When you're in that phase, when you're in that burnout moment, you're not as productive. I mean, think about it. Um, it is so hard. We sit there and we stare at our screen and we're like, do something, do something. I know I should be working right now. What should I be doing? You know, it's just really hard when we're in that burnout state. It's almost even like a good comparison to this concept of outer order, inner peace, something else I talk about a lot. Like if your desk is a mess, you just want to, you won't be as productive. You just won't. There's too much stuff. There are things that are fogging up the vision, fogging up what's going on. As I record this right now, we just moved and I'm looking around my office and I have boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff that I need to put away. My office has kind of become the dumping ground for everything that sort of doesn't have a home yet in the, in the home. And it's tough for me right now. You know, I have to walk in here very intentionally and tell myself, I know it's going to be like this. My desk is clean. I can let the boxes be on the floor. I can cope with this little bit of mess and overlook it knowing that I'll get through it in a couple of days. But if I wasn't doing that for myself, this sort of outer chaos would allow me to implode. I would just sit here and stare at these boxes and think about how much I need to unpack them before I do anything else, right? It's shifting my focus. Or I would just feel like I don't have that clean space to breathe. Um, and this is not even, this is not like a, a woo-woo thing. It's just reality. Like if we feel tight, if we feel condensed, if we feel pressed, if we feel pressure, if we feel burnout, if we feel overwhelmed, if we feel like we have weight on our shoulders, there's so much work to do. We can't even figure out what's on our to-do list. If our to-do list is so big, we can't see the vision and pick one thing to work on. All of those are really great examples of how we get crunched. And it's no different than what a non-engaged employee is feeling. They're feeling sort of crunched. They're feeling isolated. And they're just sitting in a spot where they have no interest in doing anything. Those are states where we're just absolutely not productive. So anytime that we can move ourselves out of that space, anytime we can move our employees out of that space, anytime we can create just gobs more engagement by way of things like building trust and by being vulnerable, the better off it will be. In general, this whole concept of vulnerability, like I said, really does translate across the board. So think about how you know, how can you be a little bit more vulnerable with friendships and family? And Randallin is going to kind of record a little bit of a, um, a podcast talking about this specifically related to family and friends and some of that value in that sort of open, 
honest dialogue and that honest conversation, that honest communication. So you'll be able to kind of listen into her perspective and, and even just kind of compare, you know, here we are both talking about essentially the same subjects, very similar, but in sort of that, that home and family aspect versus that career leadership managerial sort of aspect and compare how are they similar? How are they different? And even just how are the messages that she shares versus how are the messages that I share different? When I talk about vulnerability with clients, um, with my leaders, with managers, I also talk about transparency and transparency and vulnerability um, get lumped together a lot, right? And they they feel like a very similar thing in terms of conversation and communication, especially when it comes to sharing things with our teams. Like they feel very similar and they go very much in hand. We need to be just as much transparent as vulnerable. Like I gave that example of uh, the CEO has information, they flow down, but for some reason, you know, I'm not allowed to share that information or it just doesn't, it's not something I can or should share. In that example, when I gave that, that's being a little bit more transparent. I'm talking about being willing to open up and let them know, hey, there are things I can't share. Or the converse can be true. Open up and share. These are some things I'd like to share that maybe I've not shared before. So how can you sort of tap into that transparency piece one way or the other? And by doing that, you're being a little bit more vulnerable because in, a, in theory, it's not a comfortable conversation to have. It's not something you were prepared to have. It's not something you've had in the past, right? This idea of vulnerability really just can off, often mean change, different, not what you've normally done. Because vulnerability for me might look a lot different than vulnerability for you. Vulnerability for me might be more of that sharing from an empathetic standpoint, how I feel like I'm struggling too. that might look like vulnerability for me. Vulnerability for you might be a much more surface level. It might just be something along the lines of, I've never shared this type of information with you guys before, but I'd like to start sharing it more regularly. I mean, that could be it, right? So vulnerability truly can be different for every leader. So when we talk about being vulnerable, talking about being transparent, you know, we've shared all the reasons why it matters. We've shared all the value that it can bring. But from a how do you even do it standpoint, I just want to spend a couple minutes talking about that because as I will say again, it will be different for everyone. Absolutely, it will be different for everyone. So my version of vulnerability and transparency will be different from Randallin's, will be different from Bob's, will be different from Sally's. So keep that in mind as we're kind of talking about all these concepts. So how can you be a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more transparent? Okay, so I'm going to give you like a couple tips. So first of all, I want you to do, and this is kind of, if you have listened to some other things I've talked about before, I've probably mentioned this same tip for just about every topic we've ever talked about, which is pause, take a look around you and find someone who is doing it well. Find someone who's doing it in a way that resonates with you. That might be a behavior you would want to emulate. So is it your immediate boss? Is it a past boss? Is it a family member? Is it a friend? Is it a peer? Is it a coworker? Um, is it someone that's, you know, a celebrity like that you just don't even know, right? Just someone who's in leadership. You're like, oh, I really respect these leaders, this type of thing. What are they doing to be vulnerable, to be transparent, open, honest, all those keywords, right? How are they doing those things? What does it look like for them? Is it a specific dialogue? Is it a culture they've created? 
is it a way the message is shared or relayed? What is it that they're doing and what does that look like for them? So just kind of want you to be thinking a little bit deeper about that. So who's someone that's doing it and how are they doing it? What does it look like? Okay. Always a great step is to find someone else that's doing it and figure out what they're doing right or conversely what they're doing wrong. It could, that could be just as important as finding someone who this person is absolutely not doing a good job at this skill. And I want to make sure I do not repeat what they do. So that is just as important from like a learning and growth perspective. So it's always just a really good starting point to, to see what's out there, what others are doing. And what would I want to pick up from that? It's no different than if you were wanting to um, learn a, a new skill and you just wanted to read a bunch of articles. You're going out, you're reading a bunch of articles. This person says this, this person says that, this person says this, this person says that. Same idea, same idea. Okay, so look at what others are doing around you. Then take a little pause and sit with yourself and do a little bit of a reflection to think about what does it mean to be vulnerable to me? What does it mean to be vulnerable to me? You may not have a great answer immediately. Uh, you might have to go do some of that research to kind of get to the point where you can answer that for yourself. And you might even think about just doing the old Google foo and just typing in, what does it mean to be vulnerable in leadership? Examples of leaders who are vulnerable, great leaders who have vulnerability and transparency, reasons why I should be transparency, transparent in my communication, you know, those types of things. Just Google for some of that and just see what's out there. Just see what's out there and what people are saying. This is a really good place to start. Um, so take some of that information, what's out there, what people are saying, and then spend a little bit of time reflecting with yourself independently on what will vulnerability look like for me? How do I want to be vulnerable? You know, something to this effect. It's no different than when we make the comment like, I want to be successful. Great. What does success mean to you? I want to be vulnerable. Great. What does being vulnerable mean to you? I want to be transparent. Great. What does being transparent mean to you? And you may have a hard time coming up with those words, but think about it from a different perspective. Maybe it's not even what does it mean to you? Maybe it's something along the lines, how will you know when you've gotten to that point? What will it feel like when it's working? How will I be able to check the box and write, yep, I was successful. I did that. So be thinking a little bit more about the outcome, the emotions, how others around you will feel, the reactions of people around you. That will help you lead to how to get there, or what I'm going to do to get there. Because if I sit here and I say, okay, I want to be more vulnerable, but I don't necessarily know how to do that yet. But what I do know is I want to have a team where my employees are comfortable in a meeting, raising their hand and saying, I disagree with everything that you just said. And know that I will not get angry at them when they say that, but that I will be happy that they said that and go, great, thank you for sharing that. Let's create a dialogue. So if I'm in that position, what will have had to occur for me to get to that point? So you can kind of start from that end point of like, what do I want it to look like, feel like, and then reverse engineer and back into what are some of the things that I can do to get there? Hopefully that's helpful for you. Again, you know, take that time to pause, look around and see what others are doing and who you want to emulate or, you know, do the opposite of. Um, do a little bit of just simple Googling. It sounds so silly, but really just simple Googling and, and what are others doing? What does it look like to be vulnerable? What are samples? What are examples? How are people doing it? And then spend some time thinking about either very specifically, what does that mean to me? 
Or what do I want it to look and feel like at the end when I'm there? How will I know when I've achieved it? And then back your way into how to get there. And just keep in mind again, it truly does look different for every person. Um, It could be that heavy empathy standpoint, or it could just be doing something that's just slightly different from what you've done before. Sharing just a little bit more information than you shared in the past. And there's no reason you can't start small with some of those just simplest steps and do what's most comfortable for you. So that's pretty much it from vulnerability. When I talk about that leadership um, and sort of career sort of aspect, like I mentioned, it can really translate into the personal, but I think you'll enjoy listening to Miranda Lynn's podcast very specifically where she talks about this sort of open dialogue and communication from that more family and friend standpoint. Um, I'd love to hear feedback when you listen to hers and mine together. What do you like? What resonated? What was different about them? What was similar? What did you gather and which kind of pieces you'll be able to apply to the different situations for you specifically? All right. Well, that's all from People Talking People. Just a reminder that we are part of the Wanderbarn Podcast Network and you can find us at wanderbarn.com slash people talking people where you can not only tune into our podcast, but you can also read up on some of the other great podcasts around travel, yoga, and business and just check them out. Until next time, be a little bit vulnerable, be a little bit transparent, and just best of luck to you in creating those new engaged and happy teams.